Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation Point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Needs, a Cancer Diagnosis, Adaptogens for Long Life, and Abundantly Well Companion Course wisewomanschool.com You can also just go to her website susanweed.com where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you and welcome Susan. Thank you Justine and welcome Rebecca. Good evening, Susan. How are you tonight? I am doing well. We got Justine off in good time. She made her plane, and she is back in Costa Rica. We did so much stuff while she was up here. 
We uh, published The Treasures of the Tropics, and I think she put up a uh, discount for the first 50 people to buy it. So you're still in time for that. I know that 50 people have not bought it yet, so go and check out Treasures of the Tropics at thewisewomanschool.com. Lots of fun, fun things. And, believe it or not, we did another short course. The Treasures of the Tropics is a very long course. There's 300 videos. And then we did a short course, Beauty, the Wise Woman Way. And this is part one, Skin. And it's only about 45, 46 videos. It's just a short little course. But you get to see Monica, Jean, and I smearing all kinds of odd things on our faces. Cool. Yeah. Yogurt and honey and coffee and chocolate and coconut oil. <laughs> My favorite seaweed. Seaweed, <laughs> I don't yes. know if you have it in the topics, but... A seaweed, yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. I talked about using seaweed as a food to help your skin and a little bit about using it on your skin. Tell us how you use that on your skin. I love to just put it in the bathtub. I I uh, feel like I need to take baths a lot just to kind of like ground my energy. And so I put in some uh, Celtic sea salt and then like a handful of powdered uh, kelp, Neriocystis kelp that I get here. Or actually it's combo. So, um, mm. And uh, the queen of the sea, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, and then I'll just I'll make the bath water as hot as possible. And um, Ryan Drum, when he came here and spoke at the Free Herbalism Project, he had us all soaking. Well, he had a, a group of people soaking their legs in buckets of seaweed water that was very warm. And um, ever since then, I'm like, oh yeah, it's dermal absorption. So I right, I love the baths, and it's really good for your hair. And yeah, it's great. And, of course, I love Yay. to put infusions. Yeah, in, my, right. in my green book, yeah. in uh, Healing Wise, uh, seaweed takes the voice of a mermaid, and she says, if you want to have beautiful skin and beautiful hair like me, eat more seaweed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's nice to, to like, leave it in, the, like, if you take it at night, it helps you sleep good, and just leave the seaweed, you know, in your hair, and it it makes your hair like uh really <laughs> gloppy kind of when you cuz it just like sticks to it but i feel like it's really good for my hair mhm sounds like your pillow needs a little protecting there well i mean, my hair's dry so i'll like you know wrap it in a towel and then by the okay. time i go to sleep it'll be it'll be dry but yeah okay. <laughs> it doesn't make it dirty or anything <laughs> uh, <laughs> cuz gloppy seaweed can get very gloppy <laughs> and sticky yeah and- yeah it's it, it it's not like overly overly like gloppy, but it definitely has like a like a film on your hair. You know, it's a it sticks to it though. It's like <laughs> be one with your hair. I feel like <laughs> like I had um, a couple a couple of books that I showcased. One is called the something like the Japanese Secret to Pure Skin. And the other one by an American MD, whose woman is called Dirty Skin. Mm. And she's all in, she says, the primary thing that's wrong with most people's skin is they wash it too much. 
Yeah, yeah. I try to take uh, days off from from bathing, but in the winter time, it's just like I just feel like I need I need baths mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, you know, like even when you are bathing, not to maybe not even to like really wash your skin so much, that, but that's to like put those in the, the bath, bath, you know. Soap. Yeah. No soap. Mm-hmm. No soap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, so sh- the woman that's on the show tonight, Shirley, she, she, for the interview, um, she uh, wanted me to experience one of the DNA activations that she does so I would know about it. And so we we kept trying to, like, match up times, and then last night we finally got to um, got to have a conversation, and she did one of the activations for me. So oh, I just wow. Wanted to share. Okay. Yeah, she wanted to do one for you as well, but she said she tried to contact you through Messenger, and I think I gave her your number, but for some reason – whatever, it didn't happen. So she did one for me, and, um, yeah, very interesting. I mean, what came up for me, she was, like, wanting me to share with you, but what came up with me is, like, so personal. Like, it's hard for me to, like, to share because I've been um, having, like, some issues with my relationship and stuff, and so that's kind of what, like, afterwards it was just, like, this full, like, kind of download of, like, you know, I am capable of you know, receiving love and all this stuff, you know, like that was really powerful for me because I've been feeling so disconnected from the person that I live with. Like we're almost just like roommates at this point. So, um, and yeah. And so it, yeah. So this, it was a, it was a powerful activation though. And it's a very unique what she does. And I feel like um, also, like, just having conversation with her because I've been kind of, like, channeling these different be- beings that have been coming through to me. Like, as I've been working with sound and stuff, like, these things have been coming through me. And um, she was, she was like, oh, yeah, you have this. You have this star language. And I was like, yeah, it's been coming through, but it doesn't come through as naturally as it comes through for her. It's like, she can just, like, you know like say it right away but like for me it's like it's always like after I've been toning for a very long time and so it was like really interesting to hear and to have a conversation with somebody that like also experiences these things so she's I'm excited for her to be on the show and um, share what she does right and this is Shirley Bolstock who has written books Apples from the Tree of Life and Grapes from the Vines of Life she is a certified Matrix Energetics Practitioner, and she specializes in past lives and um, mediumistic information. So um, I remind you that I live on a quarry and that I live in the Mm -hmm. country and cell phone reception is basically non-existent. And the rocks of the quarry really mess up the signals. So it's just about impossible to get hold of me electronically. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised that she wasn't able to. Well, lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what uh, you know, the baseball player, Yogi Berra, said about luck. I think it was Yogi. He said, luck is the residue of good planning. Yeah. Yeah, I like. So I have mm-hmm. indeed planned to be out here in the country and uh, to be away from that. It doesn't mean that I avoid it. It simply means that I have to hire other people to deal with it since I'm not. Mhm. Because okay, as you know, 
Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> used a lot. As a matter of fact, I was was doing something with one of my credit cards today, and they had 16 conniption fits because I wouldn't give them an email address. Huh. You wouldn't give them an email address because? Because I don't do email. I said it's pointless to give you an email address. You'll think you can contact me that way, and you won't be able to. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, they're like, well, then we have to verify you really exist. It's like, oh, I see. If you don't have email, then you don't exist. Hmm, we've come to that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, crazy times, huh? <laughs> so Shirley will be with us at 9 o'clock our time, about an hour and 15 minutes from now. Really looking forward to listening to her and talking to her. And and um, so Catherine is going to be on with us next week, the woman that's going to be taking over for Blog Talk. And uh-huh. I'll be on here with her next week, just uh, helping her navigate. And, um, yeah, so expect Great. her to be. Yeah, and then she'll uh, hopefully be doing the show the following week by herself. And, um, yeah, see how it goes. See how it goes, right. And she's in yeah. Alaska. So she's even two hours away from your time, right? I think so. I'm not sure exactly what her time is. Alaska are on act. different times, so mm-hmm. we'll have to check in with her. But uh, mm-hmm. fairly early. Anyhow, and... that. thanks for letting us know that uh, Catherine will be with us then. Mm-hmm. And I had another I had a woman that has uh, written this question in, and she just she resent it this week. So, do you mind if I ask you this uh, yeah. email question? Let's do that. Okay. Okay. She said, "I read your article on comfrey herbal adventures, and you mentioned using an ointment made from comfrey root steeped in lanolin. A friend of mine gave me some oil with dried comfrey root in it, and she said stated that she, okay, sorry." dried comfrey root in it that she stated steeping many years ago. The root is still in the oil and it's dark green and doesn't smell horrible. I am wondering whether or not it would be effective since the root was dried. Thank you. One of the things that herbal medicine really helps us with and really pulls us into is direct appreciation and direct knowledge. Mm -hmm. We're trained to not trust direct knowledge. We're trained from the time we're children toward indirect knowledge, that I don't know something myself, but I know it because somebody else knows it and taught me that thing. In fact, if Susan ran the world, children would be (laughs) asked, the big questions, why are you here? What's the purpose of your life? And maybe they wouldn't be really young children, but at some point when these are appropriate, and there would be discussions, and children would write about it, and only after they had done that would they read what other people had to say about those things. Because for many of us, we find that by the time we get into our 20s or 30s, we don't know who we are. We're just some crazy quilt of all the things that other people have told us. So what am I getting at here? The way to find out if this ointment works is to use it. Not to ask an expert, but to use it. Take some of the oil, 
put it on a boo-boo, a bruise, right, a cut, whatever, and see if it works. Now, the ointment that I was talking about was made in England at the Henry Doubleday uh, Junior Comfrey Research Association, which uh, was or may still be in Balking, Braintree, Essex, England. And the there were several ingredients in the ointment. The comfrey root itself, allantoin extracted from the root, and lanolin, as well as some other um, oils. And it was black. And my experience has been that the best comfrey root ointments are black. There was a local chiropractor who said, well, that's awfully expensive since we have to import it. I'm going to make it. And he was actually able to buy some allantoin. And he mixed allantoin with comfrey root and lanolin and some other oil and put it on his wood stove. And the whole thing blew up and covered his ceiling in sticky comfrey root. It was pretty awful. His wife was not happy. So those must be made from dried roots because when I make mine from fresh root, it doesn't, it's not black. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah. hers, she, hers is green, and I'm really wondering mm-hmm. how you could get it to be green. The root is black. That doesn't necessarily mean it would turn the ointment black. I think it's the allantoin, the extracted allantoin that's so black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, it must be. But, you know, my take on it is if it, smells fine, then give it a trial to see. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about something that could hurt you. Right? Right. Either the, either the comfort ointment is going to be useful and healing and helpful or not. And whichever answer it is, putting it on yourself won't hurt you. Mm-hmm. Sounds so good. That's my answer to her is trust your body. As a matter of fact, I was thinking today that at some point I think that I want to write a book with that title, Trust Your Body, because I I really more and more see how important it is and how people, if they get sick or they have a difficult diagnosis, that one of the first things they do is they stop trusting their body. And they do this exact thing that we're talking about. Instead of having a direct apprehension and direct experience of what's going on with them, they go to an expert, and then they believe what the expert is telling them about their own body. Mm-hmm. So it's almost as though we feel betrayed by our body, and so then we are going to betray our body. But in any, at any rate, with this comfort ointment, there's no betrayal possible. It's going to work or it's not going to work, and it's all good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds good. Um, let's go to the first caller. Are you ready, Susan? I am ready. Okay. The first caller is coming from the 787 area code. Good evening, ladies. Thank you for taking my call. I am... I'm calling because I have a few questions. Um, I had a strep throat this weekend, and I used uh, a lot of echinacea. And I also used um, two drops of poke root. I did that for the past three days. And all of a sudden, I feel like I have, like, a foul smell. 
in my vagina, and I'm wondering if the echinacea could throw off my pH down there and make make perhaps like a yeast infection happen, if there's a correlation at all. Because I know antibiotics cause things like that, but I'm not sure if echinacea being an antibiotic might also create that possibility. Echinacea is not an antibiotic. It does not work the way antibiotics work. Echinacea nourishes the immune system's ability to make macrophages. Macrophages are white blood cells, which hone in on infection and get rid of it. So the short answer to your question is absolutely not. There's no connection of any kind. Okay. I I personally mm -hmm. have used large amounts of echinacea encountering various infections in my life and know thousands of other people who have and have never seen any vaginal disturbance. Nor would it be very likely because the vagina in many respects is its own environment. You can use vaginal estrogen and it doesn't get into your blood. So it's that difficult for things from the blood to cause changes in the vagina. Okay. So is there anything that I could do for for what I'm experiencing in down there besides like the echinacea and the poke root? If I may have probably a bacterial vaginitis or something. Bacterial vaginitis and an overgrowth of yeast are somewhat different. Right. I don't know which one I have. It just, I, it hasn't been this way for me for a long time. So I'm like, I don't know what. Yeah. What you noticed was a smell. Mm-hmm. And so that smell, how would you characterize the smell? If it's smell and a discharge, which the discharge feels like I'm about to have my period and I'm having like a little bit of cramping on my ovaries. And so the smell, it's foul. Like I feel like I could take a shower and like it's smelly. I don't know. Um, I just know how I smell and I normally never smell like that. That's why I'm asking you because it's very critical in, you know, understanding what is going on. Um, let me first just mention that um, the ovaries are at their quietest and in their most restful state when you're menstruating. Yeah, I shouldn't have my menstruation till like March 4th. So I'm like... And that when you menstruate, your ovaries twist or, or hurt or cramp. And I'm kind of wondering what that is. Your ovaries aren't involved in menstruation. Um, they Technically, an ovary can't cramp because muscles cramp. So I'm not quite sure. Yeah, what, just like like lower abdomen pain, a little bit of pain. I don't know if that's my ovaries okay, cramping. Okay, that, that has nothing to do with your ovaries. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry for the description. That's okay. I, you know, many people... Um, haven't had a chance to learn enough about their bodies to distinguish, for instance, uh, between their 
intestines in their stomach. That's right. the people that I meet pat their belly, which is where their intestines are, and say, stomach hurts. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with, with your stomach. So mm-hmm. in down there, on page 145, we have the symptoms of sexually transmitted infections. Mm-hmm. And so abdominal pain is a symptom of chlamydia, gonorrhea, pelvic inflammatory disease, and a urinary infection. Discharge, is it white or colored or clear? It's clear. And it has an odor. Bacterial vaginosis, chlamydia, gonorrhea, pelvic inflammatory disease, trichomonas, which is what I'm thinking, inflammatory vaginitis, no fever, no swollen glands, no itching, no nausea. No, except I had the strep throat. As right. Well. Which, yeah, but that's um, not had the strep throat wouldn't necessarily make you vulnerable to a sexually transmitted infection. Okay. Yeah, because you said swollen glands, so I'm like, like my. Um, glands up in glands in your groin. Oh no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Right. Not in your throat. Mm-hmm. Trichomonas. Mhm. Women with trichomonas infections have thin, itchy vaginal discharge that is foul in odor and can be green or gray. Infected men are usually symptom-free and is very easy to become infected with trick from a symptom-free man who has it. Okay. Is there any tinctures that I can do to help with that, or do I have to get, like, medicine? Um, well, that right. this, is, this is what down there is, is uh, for, is to give you all of the different options that you have, um, and the drug that's used against trichomonas is flagell, mm-hmm. which is an incredibly powerful antibiotic that, as a matter of fact, is illegal through most of the world. I quote, flagell is a highly toxic drug, and it is often ineffective at getting rid of trichomonas. If it's going to work, a single dose will eliminate 95% of it in your vagina, whereas the milder drug with fewer side effects is only 60% effective and no other antibiotics of any kind are effective against trichomonas. Oh, wow. I'm telling you, it is hard to get things in the same way that if you have a tooth abscess, it's difficult even for antibiotics to get in there. It's like its own environment. The vagina is its own environment. It does not play nicely with others. All right. So um, the medical establishment will say you have to take flagell. There's, that's the only way to get rid of it. And, you know, maybe, maybe not. Uh, one of the primary alternative ways to deal with it is to dry them out. Using desiccating agents, that could be oak bark powder, finely powdered charcoal, 
or clay powder or even slippery elm. Oh, yeah? I have slippery elm. Like, how would I use a slippery Mm -hmm. elm? You mix your desiccating agent with coconut oil. Mm -hmm. So you want to get the coconut oil warm enough to liquefy it. Mm -hmm. Add your slippery elm or your clay or your charcoal or your oak bark powder. Make a, you know, pretty firm thing and then shape it the size that would be comfortable for you and your vagina. Anything from the size of your thumb to the size of half of your little finger, whatever works for you, and freeze them, or at the very least refrigerate them so that they harden up for best results, use a desiccating agent once a day for three weeks. If you don't have any coconut oil, you can use capsules of the powdered herbs using three to six capsules at a time, putting them well up into the vagina. And, of course, during the three weeks of the treatment, you are not going to bathe at all. You're only going to shower. Now, each problem in down there has a little help box because there, I realized there was so much information that it, it's not easy to cut through all that information when we're in the middle of something. So the help box for trichomonas says expect results in 14 to 21 days. If you don't get those results within three weeks, it is a good idea if you really have trichomonas to see a doctor because it can, trichomonas can make it easier for other infections to work there. So use a desiccating agent vaginally every day, right? Take 15 to 25 drops of any herbal tincture containing berberine sulfate. And the alkaloid of berberine sulfate is present in the tincture of the roots of barberry, gold thread, golden seal, Oregon grape, huanglian, which is coptis, and yellow root. Okay. 90% of those who took berberine sulfate, and 95% of those who took a drug were free of trichomonas within two weeks. At the one-month follow-up, 83% of the berberine group and 90% of the drug group were still free of trichomonas. And the study's authors noted that there was far better compliance with the berberine sulfate because there were hardly any side effects, whereas with the drug, Flagyl, there were major side effects, such as lowering of white blood cell count, nausea, vomiting, headache, diarrhea, joint pain, flushing, metallic taste in the mouth, numbness in the extremities. Wow. Mm. Not a fun thing to do. So... If you want to, you know, do a little research and find out more about trichomonas and see if you think that that's what you're dancing with. And I start the section on trichomonas by saying herbal remedies for trichomonas are among the least impressive home remedies. None are more than 50% effective. Now, we could contrast that to the recent study which found that berberine sulfate was 
certainly more than 50% effective. It was, in fact, 90% effective. Okay. And then the last thing, so use a desiccating agent, use berberine sulfate three to four times a day, and hysterical hygiene is what I call it. Strip your bed, strip your bathroom, wash everything with a final rinse with bleach or vinegar. Wash your hands every time you go to the toilet. Swab off the toilet seat with dilute bleach. Remember that trichomonas is persistent. It lives in things around you. Wet, warm places like toilet seats, towels, underwear, swimsuits. And it's very, very hard to kill. In fact, Trichomonas might be smarter than we are. It has three times as many genes as we do. Oh, wow. And that's from down there. And yeah, you... I have to go. I have to yeah. go. I lender to a friend of mine. <laughs> so I have ah, to ah, yes, I know. Many people say, you know, Susan, you, it's impossible <laughs> to own just one copy of your book. You have to have two because you're always lending one out. Yeah, it's so true. Susan, I also have a quick question about my daughter who's four years old. I recently um, took her to a physical, and, like, the doctor mentioned she heard a murmur. And I was like, she was like, let's do an ultrasound. And I was like, ah. Like, I was like, I have never heard this murmur thing that she's mentioning. So should I wait, or is there, like, is an ultrasound better than an EKG or or should I just wait till next year when I go for a physical appointment for her and see if the murmur, she still hears it? Because I know she was scared because she was going to get a vaccine shot, so I, I'm sure, like, maybe her breathing was just, like, off, maybe? So did she hear a murmur in her lungs or her heart? Heart. In her heart? Yeah, she said heart. Uh-huh. Well, you were talking about her breathing, yeah, when they do... That confused they, me they a little bit. I was thinking heart, too. But then when you said, well, her breathing, I thought, well, gee, maybe, I, maybe I'm making an assumption here that it's a heart murmur. Yeah, like a heart murmur. And what, only... what is a heart murmur? I don't know. A sound, uh, uh, maybe a voice. Well, that's, a vol- step, that's step one, isn't it, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, it's step it is step one. Step zero is do nothing, but step one is collect information. Right. So the heart, we used to think that the heart was a pump. And that the heart pumped blood through the body. But now what we understand is that the heart is a little more passive than we thought. And that the actual movement of the blood causes the heart to pulse. And we're all familiar with that bump, bump. Bum, bump, bum, bump. That's a heartbeat, right? Mm-hmm. And those are valves in the heart that are opening and shutting. That's what we're hearing. Bum, 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 bum. Mm-hmm. A murmur mm-hmm. generally means that one of the valves is a little out of sync or not opening or closing just right. So instead of yeah, bum, bump, we get bum, bum. Mm-hmm. Bum-bum-bum, or bum-bum-ba. So, would that go away on its own? It could. Yeah, it could. Bodies are like that. 
Could it get worse on its own? It could. So one of the points that I'm hoping to make with Abundantly Well is that we are trained to, if there's something wrong, wait until it's bad enough that we need life-saving medicines, but we have to remember that those medicines always injure our health. And the true preventative medicine is not to wait, but to start doing something now. And the right. first, the first yeah. four medicines are what we do now because the first four medicines build health. Serenity medicine, story medicine, mind medicine, and lifestyle medicine. Four, mm. not too young to say, let's sit for two minutes and meditate. Don't make it longer. Yeah, that no, is, we do that. Yeah, yeah and a timer. Right. Mm. Or to have, you know, to say, today we're going to go for a silent walk in the woods. Or in, in what, any, any way that you can increase the amount of serenity medicine in your daughter's life. Yeah. One of the things you're talking to me about, and to me it's very, very important and critical, is the story. You're asking me for what my story is. The doctor has given you somewhat of a story, right? Yeah. And her story is there's a heart murmur, and we should do something to check it out. Both ultrasound um, and EKG are extremely non-invasive. Ultrasound is actually riskiest for fetuses the group of human beings who should rarely to never have ultrasound scans are fetuses, and yet they are the ones who get the most, right? Mm-hmm. So go figure. Certainly once we're o- older, it's only that those sound waves can be very disruptive to the form formation of the brain, but once we're older, we're not doing so much of that anymore. Mm-hmm. So... The greater risk might be being sucked into the medical story. Right. There is, if there is a heart murmur, there is some risk to her heart. One of the diseases of the past that we have pretty much eliminated through immunization is rheumatic fever. And children, I used to have them. I used to have them. Yes, children used to get rheumatic fever and it damaged their heart valves. I had an uncle who had to have his heart valve replaced because it had been damaged by rheumatic fever. So... Four is pretty young for there to be damage to a heart valve. Yeah, I was thinking, should I be giving her Hawthorne tincture? Well, it's not a matter of should. Would you like to give that to her? Well, I feel like if Hawthorne helps the heart in any manner, if if there was a... It's like applesauce. Yes, good homemade applesauce and cherries are wonderful supporters of the heart. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So especially with a young child, we want to be very considerate about what story are we giving them to believe. Mm-hmm. So you can pretty easily up the amount of cherries and applesauce in her diet without saying anything at all about her heart. Whereas if you give her Hawthorne, I think it's more likely that she's going to think there's something wrong with my heart. Mom is giving me medicine. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm not saying right. she'd be right, but think back to okay. how we can misunderstand the world when we're those ages. Mm-hmm. So it's not an easy place to be in. You don't want to let something serious go by. On the other hand, you don't want to be sucked in to unnecessary tests. I know that's that's where I'm like, ah, do I wait? Because like it's the first time they hear like kind of like she mentions it, so it's kind of like, oh, I thought like she just seems to be doing well, like my daughter, and like she's like well, she's vigorous, she's active, she she then then I take that as a good sign. Exactly. And just because some kind of medical test finds something, and this was found for her from her listening to your daughter's heart, doesn't necessarily mean we need to act on it unless it is life-threatening. And what you and I are trying to figure out is if your daughter has a heart murmur, would it be life-threatening? Because then, of course, you would want to act, right? Right, and the and, and the answer to that. The doctor didn't really tell you anything about it, did she? No, she was just like we could do an ultrasound to make sure that to see if it's like a lazy bulb. It could be nothing, or it could be something. Like she wasn't just just like but we could she, do an ultrasound. She didn't tell you what that something was that it could be. No. So that's it's difficult for us to understand what to do if we only have part of the story. Mhm. So this is the place that you can become your own expert. You know, we all have access to that great internet. Type in heart murmurs. Type in lazy valves. Right, type in children with heart murmurs. See what comes up. It won't all be useful. Some of it, you know, will be completely unuseful, but there'll be a gem or two there. Okay. And then you knowing yourself and knowing your daughter and knowing your situation will have a clearer idea of when you might want to go for more diagnostic tests. Exactly. Yeah. That's what what I was feeling, like just kind of like... Again, what I'm saying, let me be clear, is don't wait. Take action now in serenity medicine, story medicine, mind medicine, and lifestyle medicine. And I consider Hawthorne an adaptogen and a tonic 
so I would include it in lifestyle medicine. But remember that all alternative medicines, including herbal medicine and massage, are on the far side of the gap, which means they don't build health. And I'm saying this just so that you notice that while we were talking about you know, the first four medicines, that you, as anybody would, it would be a very common thing for anybody to do, those four things don't seem like medicines to us. It's only when we get to alternative medicine, pharmaceutical medicine, and deep medicine that we tend to think we're really doing medicine. And what I'm saying in abundant well and what I'm saying to you is the story that we tell ourselves and how we think about it and the affirmations that we use or the art that we do, that these things are as important as Hawthorne. Thank you so much for that clarification. I think you really brought it home, and I appreciate it. And especially for a child who's building her narrative dialogue of her life. Thank you so much for everything you've done. And and I have your book. I have all your books. And like you said, I need more copies. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. Thanks for calling. And what's your daughter's name? Jai. Jai, our you best, yeah, our best. You, you met her this summer. Oh, you far out. Okay, great. Yes. Thank you. Bye bye. Green blessing. The next caller is coming from the eight four five area code. Hi, this is Tatiana. Hi, Tatiana. Good evening. Um, I wanted to tell you that um, I'm going to the gym. I was going to the gym in order to strengthen my heart. And uh, what happened was uh, after three weeks, my right hip started hurting badly. And um, I reduced the going. I rested a lot, um, but it hurts. And... um, Tanya, what were you doing at the gym? Uh, I was only doing uh, treadmill walking at the lowest pace. Treadmill is the worst possible thing to do at the gym. I I can't walk outside in winter. There's no mall or supermarket in your area? No, I'm in Woodstock. Oh, well, then don't tell me there's no mall or supermarket. There's lots of malls and supermarkets. Not here, not where I live. (laughs) No gym in Woodstock, okay? Where are you going to go to the gym? At 28, Gym 28, Maverick Road. On 375 is a Hannaford supermarket. Yeah, it's near there, but it's on Maverick Road on 28. I'm saying it's within a quarter of a mile of where you're going to the gym, and you go in the supermarket, and you take a shopping cart, and you walk around for half an hour, and you see people you know, and you have nice conversations. No, I can't do that. I'm sorry. I don't have a car. Anyway, the walking is very slow, and I did very well in the beginning, and I stretched after that for an hour and a half on my back, and I was happy to be among people that I don't have to talk with. Yes. 
because I get distracted and I get into absorbing other people's pain and problems and stories and I I forget about doing what I came for. So it was very good. It is very good. Only my right hip is hurting. And uh, more benefit from the gym if you do muscle strengthening thing. And that I am not surprised that the treadmill brought your body to grief. Treadmills are not good for human bodies. It's not just you. I walk very slowly. How bad can that be? It's a minimal speed. It's very slow. I can't tell you how It has slow. nothing to do with the pace. It's not about going fast. What is it about? It's the same. The what? It's the same. You have to take the same size step every time. It's exactly the same. If you are walking, if you are ambulating, if you are going from room to room or place to place, your steps vary in length. Yeah. And they can never do that on a treadmill, and that puts enormous pressure on your hips and knees. My knees are perfect. They don't hurt me. I'm glad. But keep it up with the treadmill. They will is what I'm saying. Find some thing else to do at the gym besides the treadmill because going slow doesn't change anything. Uh, well, it, it does. Cause it's evenness of the stride. That's yeah. the problem. The only, the only workaround that I could think of is be on the treadmill for five minutes. Then do ten minutes of strength training with machines and weights. And then go back on the treadmill for five minutes and keep alternating that way. The science um, about stretching is pretty strongly anti, that people get much more injured when they stretch before and after their exercise. No, I don't. I don't stretch before. I stretch Uh, after and it feels wonderful. And I know how to stretch. I do. An hour and a half. Yeah. You didn't say you stretched for an hour and a half? Lying on my back is for me heaven. That's how I survived the shingles for three years, and I'm still hurting. But lying on my back is my best position for rest. I understand. It's a bit of a non sequitur, but I'm willing to go along with you. It's not anything that we were actually talking about, but okay. Well, for three weeks I did fine, and then I got a little ambitious. That's my fault. I'm a little bit at a loss here. Do you have a question? Yes, I do. Is there anything uh, that is not surgery to help the hip? Get off the treadmill. Okay, well, I did that. The treadmill as little as possible. Yeah, I do a lot less. I do 10, 15 minutes, and then I rest. And you know, are you drinking your nourishing herbal infusions, including comfrey? Yeah, I do that. By the way, the, with the infusions, I uh, I took a great step and I stopped taking my medication, and in two days, my my blood pressure went up. So I uh, I take back the the five milligrams, which is the minimum for blood pressure. Like I could not get off it. I I tried, but. Uh, 
I went to 167 without getting out of the house, which is high for me. That is that is very high. Yeah. And you had been using a motherwort or passiflora yeah, or hawthorn. Yeah, for four months now since you told me I took four it months, a day. Uh, and you went off the drug, and your blood pressure bounced right up. Yeah, right up. Yeah. Right. You are taking the minimum dose of the drug, though, I believe. Yes, only, only only one drug. Only one. I mean, she gave me something for the heart, and I stopped it because I felt bad, and I, that was it. Yes. Yeah. So, I had been exposed to the work of two people who have given me a particular way of viewing the functional structure of the human body. Mm-hmm. And these people are named Alexander and Feldenkrais. Yeah, I'm a Feldenkrais practitioner. So you know that a small movement of your knee or your ankle can change the angle of your hip and help relieve hip pain. Yeah. And in the few times that I have experienced hip pain... That is what I have done, is that I have really watched my gait. Am I putting my heel down evenly or am I pronating my ankle? Am I really coming to rest across the whole uh, front of my foot? Or am, am I wearing a shoe that's too narrow at the front so I can't really get my toes down? As you know, I go barefoot. A lot, but I find that really paying attention to the gait and the placement of the feet and the knees um, it's so long as there's no structural damage to the hip. No, there isn't, but there is pain, and I went to physical therapy and for a long the longest time, mm-hmm. and I'm absolutely fine if I don't walk or I don't strain if I lie on my back, I'm okay. But the point and is that I need to... I have to find a job painting murals on ceilings. Did you ask a question? I'm not sure. I said perhaps you will need to find someone who wants you to paint a mural on their ceiling. A mirror on my ceiling? M-U-R-A-L. Mural. A mural is a painting that is done on walls and ceilings. I know, I know. I didn't hear mural. I heard neural. Mural, right, mural. No, M-U-R-A-L, mural. I heard Nancy, not Mary. <laughs> and, and okay, I know okay. what mural is. I'm an art critic. And, that's, and that is done laying on one's back, right? Uh... Yes. I was part of a carpentry crew one year that refurbished a house that had just been refurbished, but just when they were putting the last coat of polyurethane on the floors and calling it a day and saying, we've done our job here, somebody tripped over a 
A light fixture brought a crashing under the wet polyurethane. The whole house went up in flames. And so we were called in to redo the redone house. And I got the job of helping put up the sheetrock on the ceiling and taping it, all of which I did laying on my back. Like Michelangelo, you mean? Like Michelangelo, (laughs) right. It's hard work. Of course, it's the hardest for a painter. So, let's be clear. You know that there is no structural damage to your hip. And yet... I went and yet, to, whenever you walk, your hips hurt. Both of them equally? No, no, only the right. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I fell on it. Uh, I fell on it some couple, three years ago. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a bad fall. But however, something happened. Nothing happened structurally, but the pain. In in abundantly well, my new book. Mm-hmm. I had a meditation for removing trauma. That would be something you could try. I actually read it out loud in the Abundantly Well video course. So if you don't want to just read it, but you want to hear me reading it so that you can just lay there and do it, the Abundantly Well video course has that. Where do I get that? Wisewomanschool.com I can't buy it at Mirabai because I don't have a computer. Yes, you can buy the book abundantly well at Mirabai. They said that's on the front table. And they have that uh, abundantly well. Mm-hmm. And that's where the meditation for removing trauma is. Well, I have a lot of trauma. I hear you. Most of us have at least some. I was Life. born in trauma. I grew up in trauma. I mean... Uh, Life I being what it is. Trauma expert. Uh, but... Um, I was pretty pretty well on my feet. Kept moving. Yeah. Yeah. And again, um especially in this situation, um the treadmill is will only make this problem worse. Well, I can do 5 minutes. Mhm. I can't walk outside. That's dangerous for me. Do you live in a house or an apartment? Uh, I I live in a house. Mm-hmm. Well, when I can't go outside and I don't even want to get in the car and drive to the supermarket nearby, I walk in the house. I did that after you said that. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it feels much nicer to be in a gym with people. <laughs> I, I'm pretty isolated. I, I understand. I you had, know, 
Can you walk in the gym without being on the treadmill? Yes, of course. That, that that's that that's the best idea. That's uh, that's what I do. Yeah, there is there a very large room uh, that is not uh, taken with classes when I am, and I can walk in the, in that room by myself. Right. What I will usually do if I'm at a gym is I will do some weight exercise with a machine or free weights, and then however long I do that, if it's like two minutes or three minutes, then I walk for two minutes or three minutes, and then I do another strength-building exercise and then walk again for the same length of time so that I'm interspersing them evenly. I need a little bit of aerobic for my heart, for cardiac rehab. I need a little aerobic effect, and if I stop it... Well, you're telling me that you have the treadmill set in the slowest possible pace, so I'm not going to buy that that's aerobic. Well, I I I think you'll get a lot more aerobic lifting weights if you'll do it hard enough to breathe hard without hurting your hips. No, I want to tell you that it's so hard for me to be on my feet that it is aerobic. Because I, I practically lied on my back for three years with the shingles, and they still hurt and wake me up about six times during the night. So I have a very interesting life, I'm telling you. <laughs> I hear you. I'm so sorry that you're still in so much pain from that. Yes, I am. I am. Yeah, so God doesn't give you more than the, the, than you can bear. And I feel like I don't want to bear anymore, you know. And, <laughs> go. and before say goodbye, I will tell you my favorite aerobic exercise is orgasm. Of course, but that didn't happen since I was in love last time. That was a long time it ago. It happened. Yeah. Get a vibrator. Make it happen. I can't do that. I am totally anti-objects. I couldn't stand the, uh, how do you call that? A good lubricant and set aside an hour. I don't have a problem orgasming at all. I'm it's, not saying you have a problem. I didn't No, I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to use it as exercise. It's just my... Better brain. aerobic exercise than a treadmill. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, well, uh, you did give me a very good idea, and that is to walk in the gym. And I, I, that's aerobic. Yeah. At a time uh, in orgasm, and let that be your aerobic exercise. Treadmills are deadly. Yeah. Not good for our bodies. Our bodies are not designed to take the same length stride over and over again. You're right about that. Absolutely. And Feldenkrais Christ would tell us that, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And Feldenkrais Christ also says that any any the most damaged hip joint is better than a, a new one. <laughs> That's why I I didn't do any surgery. They told me to change my hip because I said no. I I'm going to. Uh, you know, I I know quite a few women who would very strongly disagree with you there. Yeah, I know. No, one woman really got help, and many women didn't. Arthritis since her teenage years, and she has new hips, new knees, oh my, new shoulders, and she's hoping for 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 new elbows, but they don't do those yet. Oh, you know, and without these replacements, she would simply be in unbearable pain. A very dear friend of mine 
had very bad pain in her hips, and we've tried all kinds of things to help her. And finally, she, she went to a doctor, and the doctor said, this is structural damage. None of the stuff you're doing is going to work. You need replacements. And she got replacements. And she is more vigorous now, 15 years after those replacements, than she was on those poor broken-down hips that she could hardly move on. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's not my cup of tea. Surgery for me is... It wasn't her cup of tea either, but her life has been improved by it. Yeah. But I'm 78. I'm not young. Most of the people who have joint replacements aren't young. And I'm not suggesting that you have one. Yeah. But what I am saying, I think, is that... um, I like people to be responsible for their choices, whatever their choices are, and to be happy about those choices. So if someone wants to say to me, I'm in horrible pain from my hips, but I've decided I would prefer this horrible pain than to have a hip replacement, then I am fine with that, but I don't want that person to whine at me about their hip pain. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely support their right to choose that pain. Yeah. But you don't get to choose the pain and get everybody's sympathy at the same time. No, I think painless is better than sympathy. <laughs> if, I, if I choose, sometimes we just have to to say, maybe I am something more than what I thought myself to be. Maybe I see myself in a way that is limited, and perhaps there could be something different, or. Let me, you know, make the pain in my hips be in beneficence in the world around me. And every time I feel that pain, I am going to smile and I am going to send love out into the universe. That's a story, too. That's, I like that. That's, that sounds the most acceptable proposition you made. I did, yeah. <laughs> I, I love your clarity. It is so endearing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. Green blessings. Good night. All the best to you. You Bye. too. Okay, the next caller is coming from the 908 area code. Hello. Hi. Hi, Susan. It's Dorothy from New Jersey. And I am calling, I have two questions. One is um, about the nourishing herbal infusions. Um, which one is the one that you recommend to only use half an ounce? Linden. Linden. I thought so. I kept getting confused between comfrey and linden. And um, then I started noticing that the linden was, so thick that it was hard for me to get it through the little strainer right before I drink it. So <laughs> uh, I thought it might be Linden because of that. And I, I used a half an ounce last time and it, it really helped. So yeah. yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. I, you know, it takes a while for me to really absorb every single thing about, you know, a new thing that I'm doing. So that was the one question that I still had about that. 
Um, and then the other question is about carpal tunnel syndrome or the the pains that can come into hands. Um, is that like good to use like maybe an arnica oil or something like that um, to soothe that? Would you recommend or what what would you say for that? Arnica oil certainly can be useful. Hypericum oil, right? St. Jones or St. John's wort oil. Uh, uh-huh, okay. Because um, it really focuses in on the nerve. Okay. And there's often a nerve element to the pain of carpal tunnel. Okay. And... Um, Whenever there's a need for more flexibility anywhere in the body, I think of comfrey. Oh, okay. okay. Comfrey can be applied as a poultice, as a compress, as an ointment, and drinking comfrey can also help. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And just to say the obvious, carpal yeah. Syndrome usually occurs because of, in fact, what we were just talking about, repetitive activity, right? Yeah, yeah. The human body is not designed to do exactly the same thing, exactly the same, you know, way over and over and over again. Our structures break down when we demand that of it. And it's, Mm -hmm. of course, critically important in dealing with a breakdown from that, like carpal tunnel, not Mm -hmm. do it. Not to do the the thing that's causing that. Yes. 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 To to literally take a break from it. Literally take a break from it, perhaps forever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I get it. 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 I was thinking maybe using the other hand since it's only on one hand, but um. But probably then going back to it would just reactivate it. Probably. Yeah. You can use that break to see if there's a way to do whatever that activity is that clearly you enjoy or need to do without it being so repetitive. Yeah. Well, typing basically, you know, using a keyboard is really what it is is, you know, using a keyboard, using a mouse, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it, it, does it Does it change it for you if you vary the height of that? It might. It might. I haven't experimented with that. Also, I think it, it contributes just handwriting because, like, when I was younger, I used to write just all the time in school, but now I hardly ever write. So if I write... And I said also. Writing usually is done with the entire forearm supported. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that there's no repetitive motions. So probably. Re- because we're making various letters. Whereas typing, it's the same push, 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 push. Yeah. And so what... I- I've seen is that um, women who need to make their living by typing, if they will get up and Mm -hmm. let their 
typing surface be at arm's length. Okay. That that moves the wrist in a whole different way. Okay. I've also seen women who uh, brought the typing down while sitting down. Okay. Like in your lap sort of thing? Like in your lap or even, you know, if you can do it without leaning over at a table a little bit lower than your lap. Oh, okay. And it's easiest to mouse at a lower level, harder Mm -hmm. to type. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. But that might help, though. It usually does. Okay. Ice is a good friend, too. Ice. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. The, you know, typically it's frozen bag of peas that you wrap around your wrist. Okay. And you keep it around your wrist until you say, oh, I still want to eat these peas back in the freezer with you. <laughs> so not very long, right? Unless you have, okay. you know, like a special, right, this is the wrist bag of peas. Don't eat Right, because it's been in and out and in and out and in and out. (laughs) Put a big piece of tape on it, right, or draw a smiley face on it. So, you know, this is the one that's been frozen and thawed and frozen and thawed and frozen because I'm using it for my wrist. Thank you very much. And I really do do like a bag of peas or a bag of corn or anything granular like that far more than the um, gel wraps. Yes, yes, me too. I know it seems... Silly to you know poultice yourself with the frozen vegetables, but it really works well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well that's so easy. I can try that too. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Thank you so much. Yes. Take care. Good. Susan. Good night. Good night. Green blessings. Green blessings. Green blessings. The next caller is coming from the two zero six area code. Oh, that's me. That's me. It's you. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, can you hear me? Oh, oh, hello. Hi. Oh, hi. Up yes, tonight. Hi. Um, yeah, I am just calling because I have what I think are anal fissures, and I've had them for um a few years now, ever since the birth of my daughter. And I'm just kind of at a loss now what to do to get rid of them because I can heal them. And then it seems like the very next bowel movement, they open again. And I just have extreme pain and bleeding. And I have tried um, you know, soften, softening stool with stool softeners, Miralax, taking additional uh, psyllium, um, changing my diet, um, and I just I don't know what else to do. I hear you, and when you say that you've healed it, what kind of things have you used to heal it? Yeah, I um, so I, I went to see my doctor, and they prescribed a diltiazem compounded ointment. Um, so I would apply that twice a day. I would use tux pads 
Um, I use sometimes steroid cream. Um, and then just trying to keep the stools like almost either diarrhea or just really, really soft. But I've just been finding more recently, too, it's, it's getting really hard to keep them really, really peanut buttery soft like that. And if they're at all formed or bulky, which I found that the psyllium was doing that, um, it just opens them back up. Let's see what down there has to tell us. Okay. <laughs> Anal fissures. An anal fissure is a tear in the lining of the anal canal that usually does not heal. Fissures are intensely painful and they may bleed profusely. Yeah. They don't heal because they trigger spasms in the sphincter muscle and that continually reopens the tear. Just what you're saying, right? Yeah, yep. Right, but it's even more out of control because of that triggering of the spasm. So antispasmodic herbs could help, right? Okay, okay. All right. Here's our help box. Help anal fissure fistula. Drink two to three quarts of comfrey leaf infusion a week. Apply aloe vera or horse chestnut gel once or twice a day. Try oak bark sitz bath and take stone root, horse chestnut, or echinacea tincture. Comfrey leaf infusion used internally and externally, strengthens the tissues, relieves spasms, calms pain, and initiates healing that is faster than the injury. Oh, yeah. Okay. Frequent sits baths soothe, tighten, and mend anal tissues. Frequent sips, hot with honey, strengthen the intestines throughout, helping them to resist reopening of the seizure. Oh, okay. Um, Eat slippery elm. Slippery it repairs, elm. nourishes, and soothes the digestive tissues. Cook the powder in hot cereal or mix it with honey. Oh, so you get it as a powder. Okay. Yeah. To add uh, what to the sitz bath? Comfrey. Oh, comfrey. Oh, okay. Yeah. And let's see, where is that? Here we go. Herbalist Christopher Hobbs calls stone root the premier herb for anal problems. It is a miracle. Okay. He suggests two 375-milligram capsules of the powdered root twice a day with a full glass of water between meals. Herbalist David Winston also loves stone root, but he uses the tincture of the whole fresh plant, a dropper full twice a day. Okay, dropper. So stone root might be an ally. Okay, yeah, I will look for that. 
either yeah. capsule or the tincture. Okay. Yeah. See if that can can be. Um, it's entirely up to you, but I think that we both know that if you could or would take a break from eating solid food for a day or two or three while doing these things that you would be less likely to reopen it. Okay, so no solid foods. I think I could do that. Yeah, you know, not in the service of cleansing, but in the service of just giving those tissues a rest, right? Yes, yeah. Like, because I could do, like, broths or smoothies. You do broth, right. You do broth and milkshakes and and, okay. and and applesauce and, you know. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Blended soups. We just don't want to put anything solid in there, right? Yeah, yeah. So let's just say no chewing. Chewing, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Uh, well, after you give these things a try in a couple of weeks, would you call us back and let us know what has worked and hasn't worked? Yeah, I definitely will. I think I'm going to add the comfrey, the slippery elm, and the stone root. Um, yeah, the sits bath sound nice. Finding time to sit in the bath is a little hard, but... Oh, boy, <laughs> isn't it, though, right? <laughs> um but yeah, I I've got to do something because yeah, just like you said, the the pain and the bleeding is it's really wearing on me. So it's a very difficult pain to ease. CBD can help. Oh, okay. So if you live in a state where you can buy it or where you can get a card, it's certainly worth a trial. Sure. And topical? You could yeah. use it topically. Oh, okay. I, I, I don't have any problem with using it topically. It depends on, you know, the state and what you can get. Sometimes there there's topicals. The topicals tend to be more loosely regulated. Oh, okay. Then CBD which is taken internally and again it's just so different from state to state. Okay. Like in Washington state, I can, you know, walk into a dispensary and say, "Oh, um I'd like some cannabis that's about half THC and half CBD." Okay. Right, okay. because we're finding for pain relief that that 50/50 Split is really good. Okay, okay. Right. Yeah, we. I, I. I'm actually in Washington State, so yeah, I can. Okay, so you can. You um, can. You can that. get yeah. one. You know, you can smoke it. You can take it internally any way you want to. I really appreciate the ability to. M- finally control the dose of cannabis by smoking. Whereas mm. when it's, that it's very difficult to control the dose. Okay. And it's quite variable from plant to plant and from 
day to day and from person to person. So mm-hmm. one day a tiny amount of it would be enough and another day it you might need more and if you're taking it orally it's hard to do that. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, I'm gonna wish you green blessings and see if I can talk yeah. to one more person before we get to talk to our guest. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Good night. Bye-bye. The next caller is coming from the 604 area code. Hello. We can't hear you yet. We're hearing a kind of garbled thing, but we're not really getting any of your words. It sounds like you're very, very far away, and I can hear kind of a human-like sound now and then, but not even a word. It looks like her call call just drops. We'll go to the next caller in the 215 area code. Hello. Hi. Hi, Susan. Thank you so much for taking my call. I have... um been seeing a uh, women's uh, health pelvic organ um, physical therapist who diagnosed me with uh, prolapse and rectus also stage two of um, urinary prolapse, bladder prolapse, and stage two of a rectocele. And um, the reason I'm calling is to ask if um, there are herbs that I can take to strengthen the uh, walls of uh, the vaginal walls. Also, as I'm doing all my Kegel exercises and Feldenkrais pelvic floor exercises. Good. Thank you. For you. Those are difficult problems. And the fixes are difficult, too. So let's start with engage the energy. Mind medicine. A prolapse is something sinking. It symbolically is an Escape from difficulties, a sinking out of sight, a hiding under the bed. To help heal a prolapse, get in touch with your earth mother bitch goddess and scream, I am rising up. A folk remedy from China calls for rubbing the very top of the head with a tiny bit of castor oil to counter the outflow of energy which is causing the prolapse. It is thought that energy is stored in the pelvis and that organs prolapse when we use up our energy reserves and leak from the top of our heads. There are homeopathic remedies for prolapses. And it is best to work with an experienced homeopath, although down there has, because I have access to an experienced homeopath, 
three, six, it's like about nine different homeopathic remedies that are for women with prolapses. Tendons and ligaments. We're now into nourish and tonify tendons and ligaments, ligaments and tendons. It's not just muscles there. And ligaments and tendons can't be consciously moved around like our muscles. And comfrey to the rescue because comfrey infusion a quart or more a week um, goes right into those tendons and ligaments and increases their strength, helping to pull organs back up. Here's our help box. Commit yourself to one organism or 100 Kegels a day. Experiment with all palmetto or black collage tincture. Do an inclined pose daily. Consider a pessary or a sponge. Do a sitz bath in oak, bark, comfrey leaf, or witch hazel three to six times a week. And in down there, there was um, a, an amazing book uh, written by a woman. The book is called Saving the Whole Woman. And basically, um, her prolapse was caused by... Her, she had a, got a uterine prolapse because she el- elected to have surgery to get rid of a bladder prolapse. Well, and I was told by every doctor that the only cure was hysterectomy. But but the surgery that was supposed to help me had actually made it worse. It left me numb down there. Sex no longer worked. My bowels were adversely affected. My entire body was twisted. I refused to lose my uterus. And she she goes into very specific detail about the things that she used and the ways that she changed her story. So that it, and and that she was willing to take the time to do it. She said she realized that she had chosen surgery because she thought it was a quick fix. Okay. And it is now time for me to welcome my guest. Thank you so much for calling. I'm sorry we didn't have very long to talk. Thank you, Susan. Good night. Welcome to Shirley Bolstock, who was born and raised in Denver, Colorado. Her parents were Holocaust survivors. She's authored books including Apples from the Tree of Life, Impassioned Soul, and Grapes from the Vines of Life. Shirley is an energy healer, a speaker, a teacher, and a medium. She connects with those on the other side. Shirley Bolstock has spoken at the 11, 11, and 12, 12 Earth Star Conferences. She's also a guest on numerous radio shows. Her very specific work is called the number 8. And I am DNA Activations. Shirley is a certified matrix energetics practitioner. She works 
people's past lives. She gets information as a medium. She has connection to um, other modalities and frequencies. So there's a lot of information coming in to Shirley. You want to know um, something about various healing systems? She can probably answer it. She reads and works with individuals, um, but she sees them as part of a collective consciousness. So she's not just talking about you individually, but how you really fit into the scheme of things. Shirley Bolstock's goal is to give you, each individual, the tools to work with your own growth and to map the spiritual, physical, and emotional bodies that you have, leading to increased consciousness, abundance, and the awakening to your true self. Welcome, Shirley. Wow. I, what an answer. And Susan, I've been listening to your show. You are a vessel of information. I love your show. I will probably be tuning in probably every week. I have learned so much, even in this short amount of time. And I am very, very honored to be on your show. Can you hear me okay? We can, Shirley. Thank you so much for being with us. There's so many things that I want to ask you about, but can I start <laughs> by asking about the number eight? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, there's something that we have often uh, been inundated with, with the uh, Tesla frequencies, which is our lives frequencies and the frequencies on this planet usually run with three sixes and nines. And, of course, the three is the trine number, and the nine is a gematria number, which is, you know, nine plus nine is 18, one plus eight equals nine, you know, and then, of course, it keeps going. Two plus seven equals nine. They add, you know, nine ongoing with that, and it just goes on and on. And this is uh, kind of the codes what they call gematria where you, you keep climbing. Uh, another thing that's, of course, very fascinating is the Fibonacci sequence, you know. Well, that keeps going one plus one is two, and then you just keep going two plus two is four, plus four is eight. And these are patterns and frequencies that are very invalued in our life. And something that I'm sure that you are very, very aware of is that everything in our lives translates into language. And whether it is the numerical system that we use every day in our life or even the language that we speak has a resonance, has a latitude and longitude of resonance that uh, communicates to and within us. We also have within the blood what I call a record keeper. And the record keeper is the DNA record of our ancestors. And in those, of course, they are passed from generation to generation to generation. And what happens is whatever has consciousness is life force. It becomes its own life force entity. So what starts to happen when we are living emotional patterns, physical patterns, attitudes and conditions that have been passed to us for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, you know, through our DNA, from our ancestry, we start living their patterns. The other thing that seems to happen that with whatever language we stand, what numerical languages we resonate to, also shape and modify our DNA. 
So what happens, what we resonate to and what resonates to us speaks on a level of spoken and unspoken languages. But they are with us at all times. The thing that I found very interesting, um, I got very mesmerized by the one divided by nines. You know, it goes on infinitely with number ones, one, 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 one. You know, it just keeps going on infinitely. And what we are is a series of the number ones because the I am God represents number one. It is in everything. It is the ultimate mutable. You cannot reverse number one. Point one is still a part of what? And so the one represents the God I am, our ultimate power, our ultimate access to all things. And then, of course, the zero point frequency is the divine finger of God. Zero is a vacuum. And it runs both directions. So what that is, is that is the point in neutrality or nutricity where we can create our lives. So we are very affected by all. So we're the eight comes in is I noted that um, sometimes I don't know if you've worked with abductees, but I wound up working with an abductee some time ago, and um, what I noticed is that he was receiving a holographic body of information that was changing him physically and causing him to be more um, subjected to more of the control of whatever had him whether we could call it galactic bad guys or whatever we want to call this, but he seemed to be under a, quite a bit of torment with this kind of thing. And, of course, I did an amazing healing and work with DNA templates, and I did all this thing, and he was great for about three weeks, I'd say, and then it all came back. And I couldn't understand it because as far as I know, we are uh, free will. We are manifestors. We create our reality I could not understand why a holographic body of information was able to be thrown in him physically and he physically manifests right back out to the control he was under before. So I came to the Masters of the Galactics and had what I would call a spiritual tantrum. I would say, I couldn't believe it. And I said, I cannot understand why this would be happening to anybody. So what I asked for was, you better give me something because I don't understand. And what they told me is that there was some kind of um, access point that's within our language, our numerical system, that um, in our DNA, where the illusion can come in and we accept it as a reality. And I, I was just blown away. I said, how is this possible? So about a week later, I was actually at a job, and uh, I heard the H missing. And I thought I was losing my marbles, of course. And just as it kind of happened, everybody was able to go home early, and I was kind of alone with my calculator. So I'm going to give you a base formula here that's kind of interesting. If you divide 1 by 9, you get the series of 1s, 1, 1, 1, 1, that's our soul mapping. But if you divide it by 9 again, 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 9, it skips the 8. And it keeps looping out. So in doing so, there's actually, as numbers and what we resonate to needs to be congruent and needs to be in a system, there's actually a false connection energetically that appears between that 7 and that 9 that loops back in to the number 1. 
So I asked, of course, and did some research on how this would affect our DNA or in our everyday resonance. Well, when you've got a false chain connection numerically in the language we resonate to every day that has consciousness that builds, then it creates an access point where we could be vulnerable to where the illusion becomes a reality. Or we may choose narcissism as um, our, our own truth rather than the truth of love, I am, unconditional love. And it was a very interesting thing to me where I had to ask, how do you get the eight back in the sequence? Well, you have to have uh, a mutable of eight and nine within the sequence in order to go back to the number one. So we've heard of the divine 72, you know, the 72 names of God, the holy name, and 7 plus 2 is 9, of course. But if you divide 72 divided by 9 is 8. Right there is your mutable of 8 and 9. And if you divide 8 by 72, it comes back in a point 1111111. Also, when you're the singlet of 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 9, and if you times it by 72, you get point 888888. Of this mathematical system, I went ahead and developed a series of activations and codes. And there are true mathematical codes and activations. And I got a hold of this gentleman, and I ran the activations that were also what I believe to be more of a technology given to me from the galactics that alerted me to this because they actually come in kind of interdimensionally to help activate these codes when I use them. And uh, I did it for him. Three weeks later, I got a call, and it never happened again. And what I did see was a holographic body of information that he received again, but only this time he transmuted that body of holographic information out completely. So what he went into and what these activations are designed to is daily divine manifestation instead of living out mass consciousness patterns, or patterns from our ancestors that affect us, and we are able to choose our divine manifestation daily and go back into better access of our free will. But that is how the eight got into the sequence. Wow. <laughs> I know you're a mathematician because I can feel you follow everything I <laughs> Well, eight is also infinity. Yes, the eight is infinity. And if you think about it, Susie, you know the zero, that's a vacuum, runs both directions, right? Yes. It's, that. it's, it's a, a Moebius loop. Yeah, yeah, it's the endless. Eight is a Moebius. You know, it says you can't be inside or outside. You're both simultaneously. And, of course, if you put a stationary camera and take a picture of the sun at the same time every day, it forms a figure eight in the sky. That is amazing. <laughs> what a wonderful confirmation. That is yeah. outstanding. Yeah, oh. wow. <laughs> go, eight, go. <laughs> if, I, so if I get an account number and there's a lot of eights in it, I'm like, okay, it's good. It's fine. Oh, it is. And even yeah. in the grab of boy, the, yeah, the absolute, absolutely. Um, yep. divine right. is 8888. Eight, eight. <laughs> eight, eight, eight. So, yeah. so. It, maybe it sounds like numerology to people. 
It will because it, it, it's uh, not, things. and you said very specifically it's not. But I think yeah. that most people think that you're doing like let's call it numbers magic. Mm-hmm. That it that it is you know numerology which is not what you're talking about. Could you make that a little clearer for us? Absolutely, I'd be happy to. Every single number has its vibrational sequence. It has its own power. Um, And all of it has its duality because we know that everything is either attraction or it's polarity. We have north and south sides, right? Yeah. So, yeah, everything in its longitude and latitude, whether it's a tone, it's music, it's notes, it's uh, sequences of numbers, the people uh, often take this the power of the individual number, which is numerology, and of course they try to make it either all good or all evil, which is no such thing. They have their own vibration. But of course we hear the 33 that the Masons often use. Then we hear the 33, that's a master number, that could be a Christed number, like the 333. Um, and they all have their individual. The trick here, here, and it's not even a trick, because the reason why it's not numerology is because every single one of these numbers are being taken back into the number one with what I do. And the number one, being that it's the God I am, brings the ultimate and the greatest and the highest love frequency to the number. And you do it by bringing it into the number one. And I will give you an example where is... Um, Well, you know, the Nazis were very fond of that, the number 88. You know, they used it for uh, a lot of their symbolic. And that would cause people to say, oh, that 88 is just not a great number. But understand that eights have their power. And, they, you know, they somehow understood that there was a power with that number eight, right? But guess that, Susan, okay? Eight times eight is 64, right? Six plus four equals ten. One plus zero equals one. How? Right there, we have taken... Through a mathematical equation, the power of the 88 and its ultimate power back into the number one into its greatest love. So this is not exactly numerology. We are taking everything back into the number one using the number eight to put in its divine and its rightful place. That's how that works. I can feel your wheels. So one of the things that you do with the number eight are activities. Is that right? Okay. Could you repeat that? So that you're kind of quiet there. One of the things that you do with the number eight is activation. Is that right? Yes. Uh-huh. That is correct. What is an activation? Well, what it is, uh, an activation is I read a series of codes that what they do is... Um, create a change in the DNA. In other words, the resonation of the activation itself actually um, changes the DNA sequence in the body emotionally, physically, spiritually, and ethereally. And in doing so, it causes it to um, actually change your DNA sequence, putting the age back in where you will uh, ethereally and spiritually run into divine manifestation. It also is a great which also used to take out the generational coatings that have developed all this consciousness over time. So it um, neutralizes, it's a neutralizer. 
it neutralizes the consciousness of these generations of consciousness that is causing you to act out these patterns that may not even be your choice. You, you may be just doing it automatically because you've been living this since the day you were born. So it gives you back your power of divine manifestation and your real power into um, creation. And I have a series of many of these activations that I run, and uh, they, they can actually access or work off of what I would call the, um, you know, the equation of the speed of sound. Uh, sometimes they attach to pyramids. Sometimes they just run straight like a computer program, and they can change things in a very similar way that a computer prog- program will run in its, you know, own sequence. So these are true DNA-coded activations, and they also seem to change the eye color on about 98% of the people I've worked on. Change people's eye color? Yeah. (laughs) Often after meetups, everybody disappears and everybody's in the mirror. (laughs) A lot of times what you get is um, brown eyes, um, often have blue rims that appear around them. I have changed people uh, from brown to green. I have actually had blue go. I have actually had brown-eyed people go baby blue. Uh, blue eyes tend to be more vibrant in color, and they get a, a dark rim around them. Uh, sometimes I see stars, like you know, white stars appear in them, and I've changed a lot of people from green to blue. Um, it's very interesting, but it's it's physical evidence that something has changed, and it is permanent. Shirley, I know that listeners are wondering, how can I get more of this? How can I get in touch with Shirley? How can I get <laughs> books? So will you satisfy that? Well, I actually, um, uh, email is probably the best way to get a hold of me. I'm at Poet444 at gmail.com. And that's P O E T 444 at gmail.com. And I'll be happy to um, do activations. Here's the other thing that's very interesting, Susan, because our ancestors actually get cleared with these activations because they can take resonance into the afterlife. And uh, this takes it off of them. It's like you're clearing a lot of the karma off your ancestors, which, of course, often helps affect your offspring as well. So it's it's very interesting work. Thank you. And (laughs) did you tell us about where we can get your books? Well, the the books are poetry books. (laughs) The what? The books are poetry books. I, I'm in the process of getting together to write about the work I do, and I am starting to teach it as well. But, you know, you can get my poetry books, and they're quote and poetry books, and, of course, you can get them at Amazon.com or cyberwit.net. And that, that's my poetry and my quotes. Um, I do have YouTubes out there, uh, Susan. Um, they come under Shirley B. or Shirley uh, Ballstock, B-O-L-S-T-O-K, and I have a lot of YouTubes where I'm doing these activations, and you could certainly access those and where I can do a lot more explaining, and I do real demos 
several demos. I'm doing these relaxations on YouTube. And, of course, there are um, radio shows can be accessed. But if you just plug my name into uh, the search engine, you'll get quite a bit that will come up that you could certainly explore what I do. Wonderful. Okay. Well, we're coming to the last segment of the show. Is there something I haven't asked you that you especially want to talk about? Uh, myself? or um, Well, you want? I... If you ask you something, I would ask you, tell me about how it is that you give people individual advice but see them as part of a collective consciousness. Oh, that's a very good question. Here's the thing that I love about the number one we are all connected. We are part of the collective. And when the consciousness changes, then the matrix changes in consciousness. And this is the most powerful way to bring in the most greatest um, powerful work on the planet. That as we are changing the matrix of consciousness, this is the way to get people out of what I would say uh, a darker consciousness of ego or uh, narcissism to bring in a kind of a new earth where love and connection prevails over um, a consciousness that we believe that where the ego rules, okay? That's the only way I can put it. In other words, we as individuals, as number one, are multi-powerful. We are the most divine, greatest creation and creators out there. And as we are number one in the collective doing this type of work, then it becomes a matrix of individuals and a matrix of consciousness of the collective at the same time. And just... This can change galaxies, it can change the world, it can change us. Because whatever has consciousness is life force. And the greater the consciousness becomes within that life force, the greater access we have. So um, I can't think of a greater gift. That's like poetry. (laughs) (laughs) More free form. have a favorite poem from your books that you would um, share with us? Oh, wow. Um, le- oh, wow. I've got a lot of that. Uh, oh, we got about five minutes. Sure. I would love to do that. But, yeah. I hear me clicking here. Yes. My notes. <laughs> and, um, here I go. Yes, I do have some. I write a lot of haiku also, by the way. That's going to be my next book, is a haiku. But I do have some, a poem that I'm very, very fond of. And let's see. Coming here. Almost there. Yeah. Okay. Looking for it, but I've got others. Uh, let me see if I can, um, let me get my search here. Okay. 
Here it is. All right. It's called Windbreaker. Okay. I had no faith in love. I felt alone. It was dark and the cold wind blew. The chill would settle to the bone. I felt the blistery wind on my skin. My dreams were frozen and forgotten. My life was about the sun until him. His soul blocks the wind. He turns back the raging bellows. His love reaches from within. The blustery screams have finally died. He stands there like a large mountain, breaking the wind's howls that have cried. He runs with wild horses in the pasture. The heat of his passions warms the skies, rays of light showing an intense future. His skin's aromas like honey in the sun. Emeralds are his eyes when he shines. His essence caught in the waterfalls that run. And because of him, I am no longer afraid. And because of him, I am no longer alone. And because of him, I trust the world I made. His soul blocks the rain. The clouds are no longer hostile. The healing has taken away the pain. He sails the dreams of the deepest oceans, casting away the rocks of fallen hopes. He calms the waters of tremulous emotions. He stops the bitter skies of the sky from falling upon my spirit. I can shake out my wings and fly. His soul blocks the wind, the warmth covering my shoulders. He is my paramount lover and my ultimate friend. Gone now are the prophecies of growing old. In my darkest hours, he brings me the sun when it is so intolerably cold, when it is so cold. I'm speechless. That's <laughs> absolutely amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us. I am honored. Thank you. Well, usually along about this time, I say that here we are at the last minute, and what would you like to leave in the hearts and the minds of everybody who's listening, but you already have left that incredible. I am honored to share oh. share my work and share my poetry with all of you. It's, a, it's a, such a great honor, and such a great honor to be on your show, Susan. Thank you so much. Shirley Bolstock, thank you so much for all that you've shared, and thank you for helping to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. And thank you, Rebecca, for helping me restore herbal medicine to its rightful place. As <laughs> and Catherine, next week, ooh-ooh, exciting change just about to happen. See everybody then. Green blessings and happy landings, Justine and Monica Jean. Thank you. Okay. Looking forward to Catherine next week. Have a good night, everyone. Good night. Good night, Shirley. Hey, good night. Thank you. <laughs>